Well, good morning. I want to uh, thank Mike again for joining us for this last week of our Christmas and like birthday I'm series. Um, part of your fellowship now. We've been hanging you are. You need to come down to Baton Rouge. Six weeks? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, six weeks. Yeah. You just need to move down to Baton Rouge and come worship with us sometime. Well, if, if the storms yeah. quit coming through. <laughs> Fair. Fair point. <laughs> so this one, this week is, um, you begin by talking about the Magi. Now, I want to share a quick story with you. So uh, my family's from Mexico. And the, I remember one year we went to Mexico to, to celebrate it with family. And we did not open gifts on December 25th. We opened gifts on yeah. January 6th. And the, the, my, my dad's aunt, she talked about how if Jesus didn't, doesn't open his gifts until January 6th, then we yep. can wait until then. Uh, so that's been a, a long tradition of ours, uh, or was a, a tradition of the families. But then um, a tradition that we have now is we set out a pair of shoes outside um, our, our bedroom door. And the Magi would show up in the middle of the night and would have a bag of potato chips and a chocolate and a Gatorade. And that was kind of our, our gift, uh, just as they brought three three gifts to Jesus. We received three gifts on it. On when, when you were kids. Day. Yeah, yeah. So now Susie and I do that. So um, we set our shoes out and, and we get the, the three gifts every year. And it's uh, I love it. It's one of the traditions that I've had. But... I love it because you begin this chapter with uh, talking about the Magi. And when we first started this series, you were getting ready to preach a sermon at uh, Ginghamsburg about the Magi and uh, a different road. And uh, you mentioned how you were preparing. And as you were preparing, you read this book and it helped you remember some stuff. So um, I I am so glad to talk about this. In in four days, it's going to be Epiphany. And that's when we remember the the Magi um, coming. Um, But it's also... um, it's when Mardi Gras really begins to happen here in Louisiana. So it's a, it's a, um, it's a big day because we begin to eat king cake around here and uh, some uh, Mardi Gras stuff begins to happen. And so uh, in Louisiana, it's a, it's a very, very important day. But before we jump into all of that, let's talk about the Magi a little bit. I love the story um, uh, and I love how you begin this chapter and you say... Um, the Magi come, um, they, you know, they, they have a whole journey in of, its, of itself, but they come, they deliver the gifts, and then they go, they return by a different path, a different road. And, and I love that you mentioned um, it's not just a figurative road, like it's not just a literal road, but it's a figurative road in the sense that when we come to Jesus' presence, our lives are changed and transformed, right? And to go back living the exact same way is pointless, and so I would love to hear you talk a little bit about that because, uh, uh, you know, I think going back to the expect a miracle yeah. week, um, if we're going to expect a miracle, then we also have to expect a, a transformation to happen in our lives. So I'd love to hear you talk about this. Well, you know, it, it, it goes back to that. Um, following Jesus is a journey. And I always say that um, the Sermon on the Mount is our constitution in this this kingdom movement and to always you know i spend um like before i got through today's stuff i had to get up by five and went to seven just meditating on the on the word um 
and uh, Jesus doing healing and the importance of faith. And um, so just today it was, okay, do I expect healing? Like, you know, so for me, there's still, where am I? Have I um, fallen back on faith in, in some of those ways? Um, but but this journey with Jesus, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I don't think that was meant to be as exclusive, uh, like exclusivity. But I was thinking, this is the path. Uh, this is the truth um, mm. that I demonstrate. And it's the only one you're going to come to the totality of who you can be that you've been created to be. Um, now, a lot of us can settle for less, you know, and we miss the abundant life or what God can do, you know, through us. I mean, esteem really comes when we see the work of the spirit blessing other people. I, I always say to Carolyn, you know, the sign of success is your fruit hanging on other people's trees. You know, in my work with you, you know, mm -hmm. seeing God's success, you know, that that's a blessing. And so how we really realize that we're not on a the Democrat path or the Republican path, but the kingdom of God path. And it's so easy to mm -hmm. confuse those. And, I, you yeah. know, a lot of what we're fighting in America right now is Christian nationalism. There's even one former um, politician who just said, uh, you know, that there's uh, one nation, one God, there should be one religion. Ooh, that would be dangerous. Mm -hmm. I said to my wife, yeah. what happens to the Jews? You know, I, right. I heard that right. in Germany at one point. And uh, so there's this mm. right now, a Christian nationalism that, uh, that's not, you know, this is not mandated by law. Faith is entered into by surrender and choice. You know, and and um, what is this gospel path? Not the one on the right or the one on the left. You know, but the gospel path that creates tension with both. You know, we're, we're mm -hmm. there to ask the yeah. hard questions. Uh, I remember in 2012, um, it's when the uh, Obama bill, health bill, was going to, you know, be passed. And it was quite contentious in, in uh, my church. And I said, I don't have an answer on this, and I'm not advocating for a specific plan. But I said, health care matters to God. Because he's given us a ministry of healing, you, you know. So I said, we've got we've got to yeah. wrestle with this this question, and that really irritated some people. But then I I mm. went back to Isaiah fifty eight, and God said, I don't hear your your prayers because you oppress your workers on the day of their labor. Minimum wage matters to God. Yeah, You see, Fernie, I was uh, in South Dakota in September 
I worked a day with uh, pastors, a day with church leaders, and then preached in this this church on um, Sunday. And so I was there three nights in this hotel, and I see this um, kid cleaning rooms. Now it's Saturday, so I'm, you know, so I said to him, he, he's Hispanic. And I said, what grade are you in? He said, eighth grade. But then he couldn't really understand the rest of like questions I was asking him. You, you know what I mean? So, I, so um, what are we paying an eighth grade kid to clean rooms? Does that make sense? Who can't speak much English? I don't know. But this stuff matters to God. You know, and yeah. and so the gospel path has to ask tough questions. And a lot of times people don't like that because they'll go to the church, you know, that has the conservative political stance or the progressive political, you know, kind of thing. And uh, the church. Didn't you say it in your book, Who Follows the Traditional Christmas yeah. Story? That's what you yeah. used in the book. <laughs> you go to a church so, that follows you know, it. This, this Jesus Christmas stuff story. is hard. And, and, and yeah. following that different path. And in the church, it's so hard mm -hmm. because, uh, again, people, the way they interpret scripture is through their partisan political viewpoint. Instead of mm -hmm. looking and creating tension with partisan politics, um, with the biblical viewpoint. Yeah. Well, and it's the tension that the Magi live in, right? Because on one hand, they've been told by the political leader what to do, right? Go back and tell him about where and when yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Jesus was born. And on the other hand, they can just stay in the presence of Jesus and absorb it all in. But they go back through a different road and, and begin to pave a, a, you know, a different way. I mean, um, I remember re hearing one time in seminary that the Ethiopian eunuch was the first one to go beyond the bounds of uh, Judaism. But I think the Magi were, who like, they're not Jewish people, they're Gentiles. We, we talked about this earlier weeks. And like, they go back to, to, to where they came from and, and they begin to spread this good news about Jesus. And um, I think in some ways, in many ways, we're called to live like the Magi. I mean, we hear the tension of the, the political world that, that's happening all around us. And uh, we can we can listen to that, but we can also stay completely present in Jesus, right? So just go to church and read our Bibles all the time, and and fill ourselves with the presence of God. But I think the the challenge is go out into the world and live differently, like live different than what the the politics or what the uh, the world says. Live different than just absorbing your faith in. And go make a difference in the world, right? And that's that's for me at least. That was a challenge. How do and how do our faith communities become safe places for everybody? Love, mm -hmm. regardless. Mm -hmm. You know, we're we're um, everyone can come and hear the gospel and feel safe. You know, I mean this this. Um, at Ginghamsburg, when I, one time I just said, because I, I, I don't talk about specific sin. I talk about sin being out. So I noticed that there were um, LBGTQ folk coming to Ginghamsburg. And one night, 
uh, or one time in worship, I just said, hey, anyone here who's part of the LBGTQ, um, welcome to our house on Sunday night, safe place without hate. So I began hearing stories like this. One couple went to Spain and were married for 12 years. And this other couple had been, they were in their 70s, had been together for 40 40 plus years and had twins that were like 32, you know, and you start, you, well, why do you come here? Well, no one, it's safe for our kids to sit here and not hear that their parents are going to hell, you know, kind of, mm. and yeah. we want Jesus too. And it, it's, it's really complex. So, you know, like I, I say to my wife, I just say, uh, Carolyn, I'm going to leave this stuff to, to God and I'm going to love. You know, God can figure out this stuff because it's way beyond my pay grade. But so much of the church, you know, in there, you know, how can we, you know, especially we see with our own denomination, you know, that we're going to split over. And yeah. um, I, I just believe you're you're born of the spirit into the church, not a doctrine. I mean, our doctrine is Jesus is Lord. Right. You know, now we're going to disagree on different things. But if we're united by the spirit organically and not by our doctrinal stance, I'm not saying that um, doctrine is not important. I'm just saying, what does it mean to be one in Christ? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things you mentioned in the book, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, quote it. There's two things. You say, um, the change we experience after encountering Jesus requires us, and this is what you said, to right-size our life for mission. What does that well, mean? I, you know, um, so that we're able to go wherever God calls us, I think, hmm. uh, to not be burned by debt. So when God called me, you know, I'd still be at Kingsburg Church, probably. Even in our Methodist system, I could be full-time for two more years now. Um, but hmm. God told me to uh, empower next-generation pastors. And, you know, I was traveling so much during the week and coming back and preaching all weekend. It wasn't fair to Kingsburg Church. It wasn't fair to my family. So you know, I was right-sized enough that financially I could do that. Th does that make sense? Because I think yeah. a lot of people yeah. hang on. In a mega church, that was a good salary, you know. So, but I was right-sized to live on a lot less. Does, does that make sense? Or I would come to mm -hmm. Louisiana if God called me now. Hmm. Does that make hmm. sense? I, that's what I say to Carolyn. Every yeah. time when those storms come, I said, Carolyn, that's not where I would have a vacation home. But <laughs> if God called me, you, you know, for a period of time for ministry, I'm available is, is what I'm saying. Even now, I say that to God every day. Hmm. I'm, I'm your servant. Hmm. Well, 
I love that. First of all, I'm gonna now I know what to pray for for God to call oh, okay. you to Louisiana. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, I love that because it's so true. So the Magi, right? I mean, they just they're studying. Depending on what, what translation you read, right? And one of the Gospels says they're studying the stars, and they get you know they're told they're visited by an angel. They're told to come and follow the star, right? I mean, the the every Gospel has a different account, um, but they dropped everything they were doing and they went yeah. in search of Jesus. Um, and it's, and it's not just them, right? I mean, the, the disciples, right. That Jesus called, they dropped everything they were doing and they, they followed Jesus. And in many ways, this is the lifestyle God calls us to live of, of this willingness to put ourselves in a place where we're not only willing, but also able to just say, okay. Well, and and um, Fernie, a great want, example of that is, um, Oh, in the fall, my bishop asked me if I would come back in to take a, a church. Mm. And I said, yeah, I make myself available to God. But the problem was it was too close to Gainesburg. Do you, do you know mm. what I mean? I mean, and, uh, that, yeah. That, yeah. that would not be a good idea. But uh, they came to me probably five years ago, four years ago, and asked if I would take... Um, the presidency of United Seminary. And I said, I'm on the board there. I said, uh, no, because I'm not a great uh, institutional developer money. I'm great mm -hmm. for mission development, but it I can't get around, you know. But the best guy I know who's 10 years older than me. So if this was five years ago, I was 65, he was 75. Best I know and he's retired from local church. He had a mega church in Indianapolis, Kent Millard. He, he's come in, man. He's got united out of debt, all this. Now he's 80. Hmm. But he's the full-time dude because that's what God called him to do. Hmm. So he lives three uh, nights a week in Dayton at, at a convent with nuns. And then at his home with his wife four nights uh, a week doing so uh, we've got to always be available to what god calls us no matter what the age until we, mm -hmm. until yeah, we go i love home. that yeah well and, and I, I love there's a phrase you use a lot of um i, I was yeah. almost dead or i was almost dying almost dead yeah um yeah and i love <laughs> i mean i love that because I mean, the, the, it's true. Like we have a finite amount, a limited amount of, of days in our lives. And God is telling us like, go like l l use them to, to bring about the kingdom of God. And there is no greater purpose in life than at least this is my, my, what I like to say, there is no greater purpose in life than to bring about the kingdom of God in this world, than to bring a glimpse of heaven into this world. And um, when, when, when our lives, when our hearts are willing and our lifestyles are able, we, we can go as God calls and pleases and choose and chooses. And I think we can just, we, it, it's an opportunity to experience life to the fullest, which yeah. is what Jesus talks about. And, and I, I just think it's such a beautiful invitation to say, you know, that's, as we're getting ready to celebrate Epiphany, what better way to do so than to, um, put ourselves in a position to say yes to God when God calls. So if I put my shoe out in front of my door 
Will you put some stuff in it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> you told me I love that, that before, too. Um, I don't remember um, yeah. when you told me, but you yeah. told me that. Yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's a big family tradition. Um, well, let me just, just ask you okay. this one last thing. Uh, this is You say this in your book. You said, we can let the light of Christ shine in our lives through the love that we show to others. And I just, um, I, I'm wondering if you can just expand on that a little bit. Because I think what I, my big takeaway that I want people to take is Christmas is not our birthday. And, you know, we're past Christmas now. Well, we're in the middle of the Christmas season, but we're past Christmas day. Um, but it's, you mentioned about it's, this isn't uh, something we do on December 24th or December 25th, but this is a lifestyle. This is something that, um, you know, we, we, can give, we can give Jesus a gift. We can expect a miracle. We can show scandalous love and receive scandal. I mean, we can do all of these things 365 days a year. And so can you I, expand I a little it. bit on Just on, on always this? be an instrument of God's grace. And, um, mm. you know, think about how you can encourage people who struggle in their esteem or whatever. And what I, I do is, you know, sometimes all of us, you know, you'll go, well, here's a great example. Uh, you, you've seen people with the ugly dogs, right? No, I, I mean, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Some of those chihuahuas. Um, yeah, it, <laughs> I agree. It, you know, I've seen some that look like they were crossed with a rat. But to their <laughs> owner. And this dog's licking yeah. their face and all that kind of stuff. Kiss me, baby. Can, you, you, you know what I mean? And I think yeah. to every person, that's who God, what God sees in every person. How can we reflect mm. that same thing? So sometimes when I have mm. a negative thought about a person, I need to start practicing this with ugly dogs. But <laughs> but th <laughs> then I just stop and I begin to see the presence of Christ in them. And if they're struggling, in, mm. you know, in any kind of area, name things in them that are good. You know, I think hmm. always be an instrument of grace. 365 days a year. I go to a gym and up on the wall, uh, it says a place of no judgment. Because, you know, you see people like me, 70, and then you see these like buff, like, oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. That guy's <laughs> arms as big as my leg. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's a place of no yep, judgment yep. on the wall. I think that's such a neat. That, I think that's what the church should be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Well, Mike, I want to thank you so much for being with us for these past six weeks. Um, I, I know that it's been a blessing to, to us as a church. Um, this is our first, yeah, it's our first um, Christmas Advent season where we're worshiping intentionally every single week and our small groups are meeting every single week. And so I'm just, I'm so thankful that you are, your willingness oh. to be a part of this. And uh, yeah. If you're ever in town, we'll have yeah. to make it happen. Well, you'll have to I come preach in to. person at Mid City. And I, all you, I want all my brothers and sisters to have a blessed New Year. Yes, thank you, thank you, Mike. Well, blessings to you and to Carolyn, and I hope you also have a, a fantastic New Year. And um, yeah, Thanks, thank you so much.